Hi everybody! This introduction is about 20 seconds long, which means this is a perfect time for you to wash your hands. This is a podcast where real doctors discuss fake medical emergencies, which means that unless your hospital's administrative staff has an acapella band, this podcast is not medical advice. If you need medical advice or medical care, please contact your doctor after washing your hands. Hi, everybody. I'm Jackson Bain. I'm Johnny Kolosinski. You might remember me from such podcasts as Wax On, Wayne Off, a lunar horoscope podcast. This is Hi, Everybody, a Bad Medicine podcast. Every week we talk about what Hollywood gets right and wrong about medicine and how the body works. You can find this podcast online on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Hi, Everybody, MD or by visiting www.hieverybodymd.com. You can also call us, text us, leave us a message at 530-DOCTORB. That's 530-D-O-C-T-O-R-B. The B this week stands for banquet because, man, that guy really likes Coors Banquet. Right. Uh, we are discussing episodes one and two of season three of Cobra Kai. Yes. Uh, which just came out a few weeks ago at the beginning of 2021. Yes, it was a good way to start 2021. Um, I remembered I was, I think I got into the Cobra Kai game pretty late uh, when they uploaded it to Netflix. I binged all of it at once and then was jumped in for more. So when the third season came out, I definitely was pretty excited about that. But also, I think news came out yesterday that they're beginning to film season four right now. Yeah, I saw that as well. So I'm pretty excited. Um, it's probably going to be, what, the end of this year before we even get anything that's a semblance of this show? Yeah, probably. If we're lucky. If if we're lucky. Yes. Quick bit of housekeeping. Uh, as we've talked about before, we are going to be doing a WonderCon at Home panel the last weekend of March, uh, joined by Dr. Greg Winter and Dr. Courtney Nicholas watching uh, the emergency preparedness episode of that office space parks and rec and uh, the kids run the restaurant of Bob's burger. Yes. Um, And you can actually see us. I don't know the details yet of where to watch us, but I think we will be releasing all that information when we get closer to it. Yeah. It'll be on the, uh, the comic-con international YouTube channel. Uh, Specific time is yet to be announced. But trust me, we will be telling you on all of our social media. Oh, yes. Yeah. It'll be possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, one last thing. If you're listening to this for the first time, thank you. And if you're enjoying the show, uh, please tell one person about it. Best way it is to grow our podcast is by word of mouth. Yes, that would be greatly appreciated. So thank you ahead of time. All right. So, With that, uh, why did we choose these two episodes of Cobra Kai besides the fact that it is an awesome show? I think... I, I was trying to figure out what would be fun to discuss that we haven't really discussed. But then also, you think about it, it kind of fits in the vein of some of the other movies that we did that were mm-hmm. not very medically accurate. Like oh, Greg's going to be so mad. I know, but it's like Bloodsport and uh, No Holds Barred. Mm-hmm. Those are the two kind of movies that I was thinking about. I'm like, oh man, we should do something that's actually more interesting and fun. So Cobra Kai it is. Yeah, no Kurt Fuller in this one. No, um, Psych at some point, because I've already started doing research on Psych episodes to do. <laughs> we definitely, this is going to be partially a Kurt Fuller podcast if we keep this up, I think. But the reason why I picked season three is season two ended with a pretty significant injury. So spoiler mm-hmm. alert, if you haven't watched it yet, but Miguel, who is the main student of Johnny, gets kicked off of a stairwell and lands directly on his back. Yeah. It gets wrecked. 
yeah, that's kind of where we end the season is that he has fallen a story and a half right onto the the handrail of the staircase yep. at school, um, thrown by Robbie, who's Johnny's son Correct. and Daniel's student. Yes. So much family drama. It's like a karate mm-hmm. show with family drama. If I can yeah. but in a, in a way I would describe it to somebody. Uh, obviously. It's, this is that. us with more kicking. I mean, is it is it more kicking? Nah. Oh no! Does Mandy Moore sweep the leg? She should with her misbehaving children. That's for sure. Burning down the house and all that other stuff. For sure. <laughs> I've never watched This Is Us, but I know that's a plot point at some point. I'm I'm relatively sure. Not a hundred percent though. But um, this kind of reminds me of those dangerous injuries I always see at work, where people land on their back and they're in horrible, horrible shape. Um, mm-hmm. Usually. Yes, the spine is probably the biggest thing that I worry about. And it's really hard to immobilize someone with basically a bag of bones. But I'm also worried about their kidneys and all that other stuff. But there's also something called spinal shock um, that's kind of concerning for a patient like this, too. And what's how is spinal shock different from a what we would understand as a spinal cord injury? So you've heard of shock, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, So shock is basically when you're not perfusing your organs because there's not enough blood flow, because you either lost a lot of blood or you had an allergic reaction where all your blood vessels dilate uh, and you can't perfuse your organs because there's not enough pressure. So think of it like a hose that's just really wide and you have the same amount of volume going through. It's not going to be the same amount of pressure, so it's not going to reach the Mm -hmm. end with great force. So spinal shock, what that is, is when your spinal cord can't give enough feedback to your blood vessels to say, oh man, I'm really hurt and I'm bleeding somewhere. I should constrict my blood vessels to create the same amount of pressure. Oh, okay. So, so it's, it's a, really, a spinal cord injury, a spinal injury that's going to affect the entire body. Correct. Because of that. Yeah. So that's actually why um, people can die of like cervical injuries too, other than asphyxiation and just the, the sheer force of breaking the cord is that you lose that feedback cycle. So your heart normally would have to pump really quick to kind of generate the same amount of volume to perfuse your organs. In this case, your heart would pump at the same because it has no feedback telling mm-hmm. the heart that something's wrong in the circuit. Okay. So that would be one way Johnny would have died. Uh, uh, Miguel. Sorry. That's one way Miguel would have died. Um, the other would be just from bleeding out in his abdomen as well. And he was in a long coma, too. Yeah, he was out for two weeks. They specifically mentioned that. And one of the, the police officers in the show said when it, it's been two we- when someone is in a co- we- coma for two weeks... Coma They're wins. as good as dead. The think, coma wins. I think yeah, is what he, he said. said. After two weeks in a coma, coma usually wins. Mm-hmm. Air. Yeah. Um, and you would think for someone in a coma, he would uh, need a little more ventilatory support. Yeah, that was that was my first thought. We just had the no, uh, nasal cannula that was just the the like two little tubes that go up your nostril. Yeah, and then he's in that halo, which is I understand why they put him in that because they're trying to do traction to help him heal, but probably. It's going to be a pain in the ass to like turn him and rotate him too, because if you think about it this way, he's going to have the gnarliest bed sores if no one moves him mm-hmm. too. And then the other thing, usually when patients have coma or in comas for that long, is they have that that strip on their head that kind of measures an EEG. Yeah, the one that we talked about before. So they didn't do any of that stuff. So they just kind of left him there, let him kind of have his cool karate dreams, breathing. I guess okay, but. He probably would have been intubated a long time ago. Mm-hmm. If because, not. yeah, that that was that was another question I had: is would he have been, been intubated in this situation? Hundred percent, because he would have needed surgery, right? And 
for them to pull the tube out, he would have shown that he would have been able to breathe on his own. But mm-hmm. with that significant of a spinal cord injury, think about every time you have to breathe, you're moving your ribs and your ribs are attached to your spine. So that's going to shift stuff around. So that's going to cause A, excruciating pain for the person breathing, and B, that might affect their healing as well. Mm-hmm. The other thing, too, is he's in that crazy halo collar, which I know they didn't uh, secure to his skull very well because they kept moving and shifting around as he was moving. So the kid's not a method actor that actually had it like screwed into yeah, his skull. It a little better and just like really put some glue on that part, or at least kind of put the flat nubs on it to screw it in to hold it tight. The real way that works is they actually do screw it under the skin and it's anchored against the bone because it's a long-term device, right? You're mm-hmm. not worried about um, shifting if you have it grilled in, or drilled into the bone. Right. And if you Google halo traction, it's really sad but kind of cute where there's little kids just with stickers all over their halos just walking around playing. And then one of them had like a picture of a kid with a teddy bear also in halo traction too. Aw, that's adorable. <laughs> it's adorable. It's super sad, but it's adorable. Oh, also, all those patients that I've seen with spine injuries, they actually end up in the ICU for a long time because it can actually get pulmonary edema too. Which, <laughs> yeah, means- which is, that's fluid. not a blood clot, fluid. It's fluid in the lungs. So that's pulmonary embolism is the blood clot. Mm-hmm. Pulmonary edema, because they're trying to learn how to breathe again, when they change all the pressures in the chest, you can actually flood your lungs with fluid from your blood vessels. It's like a really technical, horrible thing that Johnny's go- or not Miguel's going through right now. Yeah, uh, it, it, Johnny's just going through a bender. Well, Johnny was... And Johnny in the show. Johnny in the show, though, loves chain bars. Yeah. Um, I actually, before we get into Johnny and the show, I do have a question about Miguel's coma. Okay. So the cop said that if it's been two weeks, the coma usually wins. Yeah. But in an actual situation like this, mm-hmm. he might've been, this is my understanding and tell me if I'm right or wrong. Sure. He might've been put, you know, put under after the surgery because he was intubated to heal, but that wouldn't be the same as what we were seeing in Miguel, which is them hoping he wakes up. Yeah, that is a very, yeah. And I agree with you. Those are two very different things. And I probably would keep him sedated. And, you know, you always dance that fine line with sedation is like, if you give them too much and you over sedate them, then they forget to breathe. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're, I think for him though, Managing his pain and helping him heal is probably more important. So he probably needs something to help him breathe better mm-hmm. in general. But yeah, the two weeks, two weeks is arbitrary. If your brain's still functioning and your body's still healing, the you're you're gonna making that kind of rash statement is like a false statement in general. Okay. Yeah. So no matter the time frame, you know, if the EEG was still looking good and if he was your looking like he was getting, stable, yeah. you're not showing signs of infection. You're not getting like a ventilator pneumonia, which is actually a very common, um, or not common, but a very uncommon side effect. Like it's not rare, but you can potentially get it. There's a lot of things that can affect your ultimate recovery. But saying that you've been in a coma for two weeks and you're not going to live pretty false on that part. But also not coming from a doctor. True. Also, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. Someone who's been in a coma for that long, they don't get up and eat. Uh, tray hot, dogs. hot dogs very quickly the most choking uh the most choking hazard food of all time hot dogs really yes uh kids choke on hot dogs more than any food i believe that are grapes uh mainly because of shape so if you think about it if you eat, eat a ring of hot dog really well and it just goes down it'll clog up your airway perfectly 
Because it is shaped like a tube. Correct. And grapes are because it's smooth and can easily slip in there. So you're always taught to cut hot dogs, not into coins, but into half circles so that you can't choke on it easily. Duly noted. That is actually- also because then you can get a good sear on the middle part of the hot dog. Yes. Also, that makes it le- makes uh, Ned Flanders less uncomfortable. There's that too. <laughs> That's legitimate <laughs> medical advice, though. Um, only because I've seen a lot of people or a lot of kids choke on hot dogs, and um, they don't end super well unless you get the Heimlich in real quick mm-hmm. or the back blows. Never blind sweep. Never stick your finger in there and push it back deeper. It's usually frowned upon. I this ends the medical advice of this episode. Correct. Because now I'm going to talk about Johnny getting into a fight at a bar. Right. He got wrecked. He did. This kind of goes to show you that no amount of training will really stand up to serious day drinking. Yes. And then trying to fight two guys that are bigger than you. You know what's not accurate about the show? Finding Coors Banquet at any bar. Well, he didn't find Coors Banquet. He just thought he oh. had Coors Banquet because they they he complained about the bill. And it, and it was Coors Light. And it was Coors Light, not Coors Banquet. And just drink water at that point. Because <laughs> that's essentially what it is. Um, but he got beat up pretty badly. But the one trope that always holds true, and it's not the blood part, it's that you get beaten up so badly, but your teeth are still so white. Mm-hmm. I don't how. Though it kind of reverses in the second episode that we watched this, ep- this, this current mm-hmm. episode that we're recording. But Johnny's teeth stay pristine. Yes, they do. And he punches through a window without a with nary a cut on his hand. He had a bruise. That's all they showed was that his hand was all bruised up. Um, and then he got stomped on, too. Mm-hmm. And usually, I mean, I do like the callback, though, because he went to the doctor. He went to the hospital and they told him he was peeing blood. And I was actually expecting that phrase somewhere that he was going to be urinating blood. And he just goes, I'm fine. Because we've seen it before. Yes. But also, I've seen it in patients before. Mm-hmm. But he does go to the hospital because he wants to get into the ICU. And yeah. just to visit Miguel. Because he, really, he felt really guilty. Yeah, he, he feels guilty. And he he looks at Miguel like the son he has but doesn't care about. <laughs> I mean, that kind of sums it up pretty well. I mean, Miguel's a good kid, though. And he mm-hmm. also likes his mom. Mm-hmm. He likes his mom a lot. So, um the one thing that kind of irked me about this hospital is it's the same thing like most hospitals. One waiting room, mm-hmm. right? And then there's a specific door only for doctors and patients. What about nurses? Where do they go in? Yeah. Or janitors or respiratory therapists or anyone Yeah. Else. Only doctors and patients through that door. Right. Maybe only staff would have been a... I mean, I have... I have a door. There's several doors like that at where I work. And it usually says like authorized personnel only. Mm-hmm. And I have to badge in. Now, but I've never seen a doctor, doctors and patients only thing. That just sounds like dirty. Yeah, that, that, that sounds like an exclusive club. It's a club that you might not want to be a part of. <laughs> you know, you're either part of team doctor or, oh man, I really don't want to be that second group. Yeah. Um, Speaking of things that you don't normally see in waiting rooms, mm-hmm. uh, white doctor lab coats or white doctor's coats yep. with the ID attached, attached to, them. to them, sitting on a chair in the waiting room of the ICU. You know what? That's It's not unheard of. Okay. I know this because 
it wasn't a doctor, but it was definitely a med student. Um, I remembered in med school, we had one resi- one med student who took off his jacket because he felt really warm. and was like holding it on his arm, mm-hmm. um, just kind of o- draped over his arm because, you, you know, you don't want to get it wrinkled. You want to keep them pleats in intact, but your badge is attached to it the whole time. I think he went out into the waiting room with the attending to tell like a family bad news and then left his coat there and then scrambled back to find it. Um, but it was all like scrumpled, like just crumbled up and thrown on the floor. More was his ID there at least? I don't think it was. Oh no! But here's the thing: our med school, our med student IDs are so garbage. They don't let us into anywhere, <laughs> other than the department we work in, which they deactivate at the end of the rotation. So I remember I did had three rotations at the same hospital. They deactivated at the beginning or at the end of every single rotation, and my next rotation was literally tomorrow, and I had to go back to the security office to beg them to turn it back on so I could get <laughs> the same department. So they do really limit your access. The other thing is, uh, I I don't think he was an Elguin, to be honest. And that's the reason why we have pictures on our IDs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, mainly for that whole sole reason. I mean, I, when I started out in medical school, some of our IDs did not have our pictures in our name, or just our names on it, but no pictures. But that rapidly changed um, during my time there, which was like 15 years ago. Yeah, I remember my... When my dad was working in hospitals, mm-hmm. uh, he this even in the in the nineties, mm-hmm. his his badge had his ID or his his ID had his photo on it. Yeah, and usually, if you're other than doctors, they don't have their last names on them. It's just their first names. Hmm. Yeah, and the crazy part is my fake doctor's ID when I, I played a doctor on TV had my picture on it. <laughs> they legitimately made a fake ID for me with my picture on it to make it look real. Did you get to keep it? No. Oh, really that is wanted... such a bummer. They made me put it back in this bag with my fake stethoscope. And I called it a fake stethoscope because the drum was broken. Um, and my fake lab coat because they made me wear a lab coat, which I never wear in general. Which, yeah, you've, you've brought that, that. That was my second question was how many doctors would be leaving their lab coats because how many of them wear their lab coats? So I think... My department's a little different, I think, because, you know, I work in the emergency department. We don't wear our lab coats because that thing gets dirty and grimy and gross. Mm-hmm. However, in other departments or other specialties, they wear their lab coats quite often. Okay. Yeah. Surgeons might not unless they're rounding on patients. But for the most part, I've seen, I've seen a lot of specialists when they dare to visit my department wear a lab coat. Because apparently my department's like germy, unclean scary town that it's really hard for me to get a consultant to come talk to us well i've seen the purge so oh god it wasn't day after the purge <laughs> it might be like day after christmas which is scary but day after it's never that bad as i say after working a bunch of shifts in a row and having to deal with days where it was that bad <laughs> it gets real crazy down there but um i do like i do like how they showed the scene when he was in the bathroom wearing the, the doctor's coat, mm-hmm. trying to pretend to be a doctor, but clearly looking disheveled. And a patient came out and was like, hey, doctor, what do you think of? Yeah. You know, I'm not going to say it happened in the bathroom. has definitely happened on my way out of a patient's room numerous times. Now, do you, um, do you generally, I assume there's a staff bathroom as well. Yes. There's, sta- there's, there's staff bathrooms and then there's secret bathrooms in the hospital that you know about that you know patients don't know about, and you use those. Because sometimes you don't want to use a staff bathroom 
Especially because someone will be waiting for you. Yes. And if it's in the break room as well, you definitely don't want to use that one. So you, you go on a field trip. Ah. Simple things they don't teach you in medical school. Like, right. don't blow up the bathroom. But not, <laughs> not by like, not with explosives. I mean, bodily function blow up, which I wish some of my medical students have, would have learned earlier. Well, uh, this, maybe things you should have learned in med school can be our podcast number three. Yes. That, that'll be something that I would like to work on because, oh man, those are heavy duty toilets. And if you can clog one of them toilets, kudos. <laughs> I got to say, kudos. To be fair, getting us back on the rails yeah. uh, and off the seat, <laughs> Johnny wouldn't have known to, to look for a staff bathroom. No. Because Johnny was not uh, Dr. Al Nguyen. No, he was not. And well, I mean, he knew right away, so then that he wasn't going to be able to pass for that. So he bashed yeah. his head into a uh, was it a towel dispenser? Yeah, paper towel dispenser. Good lord, that was a good injury. It was a good injury, but it cleaned up really well. Here's the thing with those cuts: if the edges are really sharp, which they kind of portrayed there, they do. Mm-hmm. They clean. Oh, up okay. And so it would have been a situation where they were able to to just like you were saying. Um, well, in a future episode that we recorded last week. Um, Something that they could have just super glued as opposed to needed to stitch. No, that one needed to be stitched for sure. Okay. Just because of how much gushing there was. Um, I was always taught cuts bigger than a centimeter. You should never glue. You should okay. always, you should always suture because it'll look better. I don't think Johnny cares about scars, but if, <laughs> from a soul infection and hemostasis standpoint, you want to sew it. And you'd be surprised when you get like a really deep gash that's just, but really clean, like with just very sharp lines. When you pull it together, the bleeding stops and it looks really, really good. And I think that's kind of what the situation was here. You couldn't tell that they did sutures, but you can see the two steri strips on there. And usually I put steri strips over kids' heads um, after I sew them because it looks nicer. And also I can tell them to come up with a story to tell their friends how they got, their, <laughs> you know, stopped a robber, um, saved their parents' car from getting carjacked. You know, one of those fun things to tell them. But. In the early 2000s, my uh, my running joke for how I lost my eye was duck hunting with Dick Cheney. Such a timely joke, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Especially now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do like how they just stitched him up in the hallway because he wasn't that sick. And I think if it was a busy hospital, they probably would do that. But the one thing that was kind of alarming was when he that's when they mentioned he had blood in his urine and then he showed his big old back bruise. Mm-hmm. that's probably how I would have guessed he had blood in his urine because your kidneys actually don't sit in the middle of your abdomen. It sits pretty close to your back. Mm-hmm. So if you got stomped on your back, like Johnny probably did, he would have a, quite a bit of blood in his urine and I would not have let him go. He probably would have needed to be CT scanned. Like unless he goes, I'm leaving, you make him sign AMA and then, then let him leave. It's potentially mm-hmm. dangerous. I had bruises that bad on my back once uh, when I was doing the fire breathing acrobatic show and took a spill off of a six foot two guy uh, onto the concrete stage mm-hmm. and landed perfectly <laughs> and got uh, and got angel's wings bruises for a good week and a half. It's probably from your iliopsoas muscles, which are like the muscles that kind of extend back there, mm-hmm. kind of like wings, but lower. Yeah. Yep. And you might not have seen frank blood in your urine, but if someone checked your urine, they probably would have seen microscopic blood in there. Huh. For sure. I didn't save any, so. I'm, I mean, thank you. Thank you for not saving your, your urine. I'm glad you don't have bottles of it in the closet so that when you open it up, just 
an avalanche of no. I'm sorry. We live in Southern California. Who can afford that kind of space? <laughs> I did not think you were going to go down that route, but I'm so glad you did. <laughs> Especially San Diego. It's so hard to get that kind of kind of space. Speaking of space, I've never seen an ER and an ICU so easily accessible at the same time before. Yeah, I feel like they were at Sacred Heart. Mm-hmm. From Scrubs, where every department is the same, department. whatever department JD is working in that week. Yeah, it's really hard to. The ER is sometimes close to the ICU, but rarely is. Um, I've worked, I'm just thinking of the hospitals I've worked in. Most of the hospitals that I've worked in are at least two floors away from the ICU, ER to ICU, um, one of which was like one floor. Was he in? He might not have been in the ER waiting room, though. Because he was talking no, to he the, was in the gurney when he was getting his sutures. And then when they told him he had blood in his urine and they needed to keep him, he just stu- go, stood up and walked towards mm-hmm. Miguel's room. Oh, yeah. Okay. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, fun fact. I didn't know where my hospital's ICU was until last week. Wow. I worked there for four years. I actually had to go with, go with nurses because I had to transport a patient up to the ICU because he was very unstable. And normally I don't need to, but... When they're like critically unstable and potentially can decompensate, even in the in the elevator ride, it's pretty poor form, and they want like a doctor there just to make mm-hmm. sure nothing goes wrong. Sometimes I'll send like my trainees to go, but in this case, it was me. You were the one that needed to be there, yeah, because it was a really dangerous case. So I go up there, and the first response the ICU doctors said were, "This is not where you belong." <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no, it is not. I don't know what this place is. And then they go aren't you worried about like COVID? Why are you not wearing more gowns and masks and stuff? And they go, I am COVID now. And I just left. That was it. They were very worried about all of our patients from the ER not having gowns and all that stuff. I'm like, I can't put like a drape over everybody and push them upstairs. You know, Mm -hmm. I kind of have to just take patients upstairs and go. I can't think of it. Of anything that would be more disheartening, though, than having your doctor be wheeling you into the ICU and having to stop and check the map. Thank God I had someone else like showing <laughs> that, though, because I really legitimately had no idea where the ICU was. All the nurses kept make fun, making fun of me, too. They're like, do you know even know where it is? I'm like, nope. Do you know how to get there? I already said I don't know where it is. So help. So I actually had two nurses walk with me, one pushing the bed. One managing the pump, and then me walking there, just like la di da, making sure the patient doesn't die. Walking, taking a field trip. It was sad. <laughs> it was real sad. But now I know where it is. I hope I never go there again. And I prefer to stay in my little, my little safe bubble. Mm-hmm. Just the emergency department. Don't know anything else. Just the ER. That's how sad it is. Going back to the ICU, Miguel dramatically just wakes up at the end and just gasps. Yeah, and this is something. Uh, I was there was a conversation on Twitter about it yesterday as of when we were rep- recording of of things that that bother you in TV and, and movies mm-hmm. and waking up dramatically from a coma is one of them. Yeah, they don't. No one does. I think the only time people wake up dramatically from a coma is if they were faking said coma and getting like painful stimuli or a Foley catheter or something like that. Like mm-hmm. that. <clears throat> most of the time it's that, you know, you never... I'm trying to like think of an a, a like a metaphor. Like you never wake up suddenly from a sleep and gasp like that if you were sleeping super super deep for like hours, mm-hmm. right? Like let's say you 
you drank a whole bunch the night before. I don't think you've ever woken up like yelling. Yeah. At least consciously knowing you were yelling, right? You're usually like pretty groggy and waking up and you're like, what happened kind of situation. That's probably a more accurate way of people waking up from comas. Mm-hmm. Though it probably wouldn't have worked as well in Cobra Kai because everything's very big and bombastic. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't appreciate that super well. Are there situations though where a patient where you, so it wouldn't happen like this. It wouldn't be a sudden eyes are open, deep inhale. Mm-hmm. Um, but situations where a patient could surprise you coming out of a coma. I mean, or no, because generally they're aside from being whatever's causing the the coma. There's also sedation and things in effect. Well, sometimes there's something where we call like people are bucking the vent um, where their sedation is light and they're kind of gagging or coughing with the mm-hmm. tube down their throat, which sounds like a horrible way to wake up. Um, I can't speak to it 100% mainly because I don't work in the ICU as much. So I don't see a lot of long-term comas as much as I used to in residency when I did my ICU rotations all the time. Um, so it's pretty uncommon, I think, but I can't say definitively. Okay. Yeah. I'd rather say I don't know definitively than make something up right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it has to be dramatic. That's just yeah. how Cobra Kai is in general. The other thing you'll notice, too, is when he woke up, he had the halo on his head and then they took it off very quickly. And yeah, he, he had no marks on his forehead from right. the halo being on there. And they let him move around quite a bit for someone who just broke his back. Yeah, he was he was unrestricted. Yeah, you need other than. The fact that he couldn't move his legs. Yeah, you need full bed rest on that whole situation. And that really annoyed me when you said um, guy moving his legs, or he couldn't move his legs. That was the laziest neuro exam I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it was basically, can you feel this on the arms? Can you feel this on the on on the feet? Okay, I'm going to poke you with my pen. I mean, Okay, I'm going to have a serious conversation with your mother, but right outside the window. Yeah, you don't. Tell people false news like that. It's like, oh, it just takes time. Like, you can't say something like that. And you're like, you know, I'm not sure yet. I don't know how you're going to do yet, but, you know, we'll see how you progress. Or you say, I have some not great news. Right now, it doesn't look so good. You know, you don't want to just give them false hope or anything like that, too. Mm-hmm. And then going back to like the neuro exam, basically what that doctor did was just a nice massage, only on one side of his body, too, mind yeah. you. So when we do neuro exams, and I'm not a neurologist, so I don't do very good neuro exams. You do do better than this. Yeah, you do both sides of the body, right? So that's why you have two arms and two legs is the common joke is that you can compare one side to the other to make sure what's normal and what's not normal. Um, But usually you'll check for reflexes. So you actually do have a reflex in your elbow that you can test. You know, the standard reflex everyone knows is the knee one where you hit them with the hammer. I don't carry a hammer. I use my stethoscope to bang people on the knee. And if you you are paralyzed from the waist down, you don't have that feedback mechanism to cause a knee jerk. Mm-hmm. The other thing you usually do too is you actually take a pen and you run it against the bottom of their foot, and a normal reaction is that your toes curl. If you have a neurologic damage or neurologic injury, your toes extend upward. Oh, really? Yep. I know everyone who's going to listen to this who's never done a. A Babinski test is going to do that to themselves to see which way their toes go. Yeah, I'm I'm stretching mine right now. So you actually take a pen and you start from your pinky side on the the palm, the base of your foot, on the solar foot, and you run it all the way across and then down. And if your toes curl down, you have normal. If it curls up, it's not normal. Okay. So you should not your your big toe if it starts pointing out or towards your head. 
something's wrong. So that's usually one of the big tests they'll do in patients with neurologic injury is a Bobinski test. So I'm surprised they didn't do that. Also fun to say. Bobinski? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's actually one of the first things you learn in um, physical exams, other than listening to the heart and the lungs, is, hey, go tickle someone's foot and try to get that Bobinski. That sounded really bad. <laughs> Holy crap. I wish I could take that back. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Or you just gave us the title of the episode. No! <laughs> Terrible. Oh, God. But yeah, I I don't like that doctor. That doctor sucked. Um, I don't like his neuro exam. I don't like how he broke bad news. Um, I wish he learned how to break bad news better. I wish he figured out a better place to break bad news instead of in front of a room with blinds. Yeah. There's so many things he did wrong. Also wearing a white coat. I hate it. <laughs> I'm going to judge him on that. I'm trying to see if there was anything. Oh, I the other weird part I noticed since we're on the Miguel thing is that, and this is only because I have to adjust beds all the time. His bed was such at a weird angle that someone with back injury, you want it as like up as possible so you can lean on it instead of using his core muscles to try to sit up correctly. Yeah. It's a weird thing to notice. I know, and it's very nitpicky, but after correcting people's beds, pretty much every single patient for the last two and a half weeks straight. It's something you notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also the stupid pulse ox. That sucks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I caught that as well. Those suck. They suck so much. They did, however, one thing I noticed, because uh, I thought they were about to, when the pulse ox was going, I thought they were about to, to defib him. And I was like, oh, they didn't have paddles at least. That is true. Thank God. Uh, if they defib. But then they didn't shock him. Yeah. If they, or... Defib or cardiovert, one of those two things. I'm glad they didn't shock him. If they shocked him, that would have been just. Ugh. Could you imagine all that metal on his head, and then they shocked him? Oh yeah, it would have just spray. Oh, he would have just shocked his head. He would have had ECT, electroconvulsive therapy. Oh man, there was so much bad. There was like also, I think the one line I did get from all of watching this is during the garage fight. One guy would have been really bad at dodgeball. Yeah, the guy who couldn't dodge a wrench. Yep, that's the one. I wrote that down. I'm like, Johnny's going to get this reference. Mm-hmm. Can't dodge a wrench. Can't dodge a ball. Not at all. Yeah, if you can't dodge a wrench, you can't dodge a fist either. No, none of them could. They all took fists to the face. I mean, that was the beginning of the whole Johnny Daniel fun alliance, fun team fighting. Yeah, there was kind of an alliance early last or second season where they had dinner together. But this one, this one is a little better. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm looking for it. I haven't seen season three yet, so I'm looking forward to watching more of it. Well, you're well on your way now. Yeah. Is there uh, anything else that we want to talk about in the episode, though? When Johnny made a snide remark to the guy who had a nosebleed to put a tampon in it, it's actually mm-hmm. a legitimate treatment. That's, yep. That has come up. Yep. That's probably the only other thing that I mentioned. Or kind I of would. hard to find in a, men's pr- in a men's prison. Yeah. But it should have it. They should still have it in the infirmary. It's not like all men in that prison, right? Like there's still female staff. Mm -hmm. So you can still use that to do it. The old rhino rocket. That's a legitimate thing we use in the ER. It's called the rhino rocket. It's a, it's a tamponade that you put in someone's nose and you increase pressure and it, it caught or it just pushed pressure on those blood vessels. So it can't bleed anymore. Huh? Doesn't cauterize though. Not cauterize. That would be, that would be a bad thing. I've done it before. When it was just like one gusher, I actually took like a little silver nitrite stick. And when silver nitrite gets moisture on it, it burns. Mm-hmm. So I actually used that to cauterize someone. Wow. It's fun. 
It smells bad. It smells real bad. I mean, it probably smells worse for the patient. Yeah. Because it's direct uh, input. Mm-hmm. But in general, it's not. It, it, it does the job. But yeah. Um, well, I do have a couple important questions to ask you. And we'll just consider this as a whole. But uh, the human centipede bills itself as 100% medically accurate. Mm. If that's the case, how medically accurate are episodes one and two of season three of Cobra Kai? I hate you. Um, <laughs> uh, God, I'm trying. I'm trying to like balance good and bad here. Uh, Johnny's head gash, pretty accurate. That's funny because, like I said, I thought that it recovered. I, I thought he recovered too quickly from it, and I, I'm I wrong. Say, it's crazy how well. Again, it's like one of those things. Families are always shocked when I sew up someone's head and it looks amazing, and they can't tell that there was a big gaping wound there before. And it it. When you sew someone up, it stops the bleeding. So that's that's pretty realistic there. But good lord, all of the whole rest of the physical exam and all that stuff. Does one thing make it balance out to almost human centipede level? I think it does. I'm gonna say a hundred. It's as accurate as a human centipede. What if we're including the last five minutes of season two where he survived that fall? Then it goes down to 80%. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I should just keep it at 80%. No, no, 90%. I'm averaging it out. Okay. 90. 90%. 90. Yeah. I love the show though. Don't let don't let my hatred of its medical depiction uh, deter you from watching this amazing show. For sure. It's it's All right. it's still one of my favorite shows of this year, easily. Awesome. Okay. Well, with that, uh thank you Jackson for joining me this week. Always. And thank you everyone for listening. Uh like I said, check us out on the WonderCon YouTube at the end of the month and Find us on social media and tell your friends. And if you have any questions, if you have something you'd like us to cover, shoot us a message or give us a call at 530-DOCTORB. The B stands for bye, guys. (laughs) Bye, everybody.